0: My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Shane Reese is the Academic Vice President at BYU. He earned a bachelor's degree and master's degree in statistics from BYU, and then a PhD in statistics from Texas A&M. He has created statistical models that predict the power of solar storms, as well as the safest method for destroying chemical weapons. He has also created statistical models for the Philadelphia Eagles and the U.S. Olympic volleyball team. Prior to entering academia, Shane worked in the Computer, Computational, and Statistical Sciences Division of Los Alamos National Laboratory. I hope you enjoy learning from Shane Reese today, because I always do. Shane, it's great to catch up with you today. Normally we meet at Carabas each year to preview the upcoming BYU football season. So I'm grateful that we're meeting today and getting in an extra meeting this year.
1: I'm looking forward to it as well. I no, I will say that uh that this is a, a an excellent meeting that we're having today, but it's hard to substitute for the Carabas meeting because it because it also includes food. So Yeah,
0: it's it's hard to beat for sure. This will be the best we can do without that uh, delicious bread and, and the balsamic and oil. Uh, Shane, you've had an incredible career, and as you think back as your time as an academic, a researcher, teacher, consultant, administrator, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and, and I don't know whether you'd say that I had a successful career or not, but I, I'll say I'm, a, I'm an interested observer in successful careers, and that's probably the best I can offer. Uh, there, you know, when I think about sort of the overarching what what sort of undergirds the, the 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 really three ideas that I have for for what what might make for someone to be successful this, that are really underappreciated. I think it boils down to the difference between talent and success, and I think all too often uh, we might in our in our daily lives attribute way too much to talent. In terms of success, when I was in grad school, uh, and and I looked at uh, all of the people around me who were uh, had had a whole spectrum of talent levels. Right, there were some who who, who were, were were really quite solid and strong. I call them journeymen, uh, all the way up to these people who I I really think are geniuses uh, and had crazy amounts of talent. Uh, they didn't all arrive at an equivalent level of success. <laughs> that, that those who were journeymen didn't necessarily translate to the lower end of the success spectrum. And those who were the geniuses didn't necessarily amount to the highest level of success on the success spectrum. And I think what really uh, defined who translated or, 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 or sort of was punching above their weight in the success spectrum, regardless of where they started on the talent spectrum were three things. The, the first was their willingness to work hard, the work ethic, if you will. The, the second was uh, kind of their view of themselves and realistic view of themselves. Uh, I, I might label that even as humility <laughs> and, uh, and, and intellectual humility in particular. And the third is one that I think may be the one of the most underappreciated elements in 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 life which is 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 kindness so so those are the three things that that I that I thought of when you asked me this question and and we were visiting after our, our last Carabas visit um so so I'll start with one uh the, 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 which is hard work uh and work ethic uh you, you hear it a lot. But I really think it's it's seen as a bygone virtue, one that, that doesn't manifest itself in today's world. I think so many people have gravitated towards the work smarter, not harder mentality that they've abandoned working hard. And when I look back at all of the colleagues that I had in grad school in particular, that's kind of the, the defining moment for me as a as a student. And I've seen people go from, from start to finish or at least start to where they are today. Um, those, we had two guys in our graduate program and I won't name their names because for all I know, they're gonna be listening to this podcast. I know that the listenership is huge, so uh, they, they could be listeners. But we had two guys, we had one guy, who, who i would describe as as very much a journeyman he fell on the lowest end of the pure talent spectrum and then we had another guy who was absolutely out of this world brilliant i mean he had uh, uh iQ that was off the charts and he and he tested his whole life in in terms of of uh, of, of, of exceeding kind of all kinds of standards for intelligence. He was crazy smart. So, but all throughout graduate schools, uh, person A, I'll call him Jeff, and person B, I'll call him Tom. Person A, Jeff, he he worked his tail off. He was the first one in the office in the morning, and he was the last one in the office to leave at the end of the day. He was there... Every single day, it didn't matter whether it was a vacation, whatever, he worked hard. And when he wasn't there, he worked hard at home, like on his hobbies, on his family. He, he just was always working hard. Tom, on the other hand, he, he knew he was going to ace the test. He was the smartest guy in the room, and he knew he was the smartest guy in the room. And you look at both of those, and the amount of time they invested was, was absolutely uh, opposite of one another. Tom invested very little. Jeff invested a ton. Today, I look at both of those guys, and Jeff is wildly accomplished. He went to his first job, which really was kind of a mediocre job out of a PhD program, Uh, but he flourished, and he outshined everyone at his first job. He was then recruited to be the lead at an Ivy League university in a research department, which is like the best of all jobs in statistics. And he got that. It was all based on hard work. Tom, on the other hand, if you look at him today, he is employed as kind of a menial laborer in in a research organization, not in a high level position. So their success was exactly the opposite of what I think you would predict. And it all came down to an amazing Work ethic for those two guys. I I I I I'm amazed. It's sort of what you would. It's like a feel good story, like the, the 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 guy that doesn't have much talent can work 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 work, and he actually uh, wins the race. And, and that's that's what happened for these two. So that that's the first thing I think uh, of, of of how you might translate how the talent uh, spectrum doesn't necessarily correlate directly to the success spectrum.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important to have models of this in our minds so that we can see the value of hard work. And when I think of hard work, I think of my brother, my brother, um, he, he was talented physically, but he wasn't the tallest and he wasn't the strongest and he wasn't the highest jumper. But in basketball, he was one of those guys that would full court press the whole game. And he would literally, I mean, he would get home from practice and he was just dead and he was losing weight because he played so hard. And so I was able to see that. And it's like, I want to be like that. I want to be known as the guy. And even just a week ago, I was talking to somebody. I just met somebody that knew my brother. He said, "Uh, I can, I can get up on Ryan when I play tennis, but I can never beat him because he just tries so hard. He's such a hard worker. And that that model for me i I tried to incorporate that in football and and i had this this additional realization when i was at byu uh i was trying to improve my hands in pass catching i'd been a running back and i switched receiver and i started paying attention to the guys who had the best hands and what i learned was it was the ones who had the best hands who practiced the most and this is you know it's kind of like i could have thought like oh the guys that have the best hands are the ones that don't need to practice but it was the opposite it was the guys who had the best hands who put in the the most work. So I just, I really appreciate that lesson.
1: Yeah. No. And, and, and just sort of to, to, to build on that, I completely agree. And I don't think it's just that there's this magical element of working hard. It, it, It is through the reps and the hard work that in fact, that, that, that talent gap, if you will, is made up. And I think there is an atrophy for those who may just be gifted boy. And then you really talk about the people that are, exceptional, 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 like beyond belief, it's those who have the talent and the work. Yeah. I mean yeah. that that's when you get sort of so anyway. So that's the first thing. I think uh uh hard work and and I and I hope that um as we as we work with students or or our children that we're able to remind them of the of the value of hard work because I do think it's a it's it's a, it's a, it's a dying it's it's a dying virtue uh which which yeah, we we've embraced smart work uh maybe a little too much. Uh, so yeah, thanks for that, Nate. For that the second one, as I mentioned, was was sort of someone's view of themselves. And I think uh I I I, I hope that that this idea of humility uh in, in an era where uh, building confidence and self-confidence and self-esteem and self Promotion really, even in the social media sphere, the, those things become uh, the calling card for for people uh, as, who are labeled as successful. And what what I've found is I've watched people around me who I really admired and looked up to for for successful individuals. And I don't just mean success in in virtuous ways. I mean really success, even in 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 kind of. Uh, uh, Measurable ways in 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 business and in in academia. Uh, I think that those who who really transcend, who are really uh, above, kind of the the average, those people all share one thing in common, and that is that they have a a, a sincerely held sense of intellectual humility. Uh, and, and by intellectual humility, I mean someone who who actually has both an appreciation of, of what they really bring to the table, but also what others bring to the table and an appreciation for that. Uh, uh, You you know, the person that I, that I think of the most, uh, when I think of intellectual humility and someone who, who has that in spades uh, is, is, is the president of DYU, Kevin Worthen. Um, You'll meet, Uh, in your life, probably no more remarkable human being. This is someone who clerked for the U.S. Supreme Court, who has been uh, a dean of a a prominent law school, who has been a president of a university, who, when he walks into the room, uh, people immediately recognize someone who's wise and who's accomplished. And yet, when you talk to him, he, he doesn't, for one moment, hold himself in that light. He, he's confident. He, he carries himself with uh, a, a sense of, of um, contributing to conversations, but he's humble about what he has to offer. He sincerely values what other people have to offer to a conversation. He acknowledges and validates what their contribution is above his own. The, the miracle of all of that sort of intellectual humility, uh, in, in my opinion, is that by so doing, he, he sort of has, has lifted himself up unintentionally, but by recognizing others' contributions, by recognizing how they've contributed to, to an effort. Uh, and so I think when I think of those who, who, who are exceeding or punching above their weight, from the talent spectrum to the success spectrum, it's hard work and then this intellectual humility. Uh, I'm amazed by those who have that characteristic.
0: So, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I had Don Moore who researches overconfidence, and he comes at it in part from this angle of so many people talk about, you know, think positively, and uh, it's all about enhancing your self esteem, your confidence, and and his book is. Titled "Perfectly Confident" and it's all about accurate calibration. And I think one of the reasons why we need this humility is if if we're not humble, then we'll never take feedback. And for anybody to reach their potential, like we need feedback. And this is a lesson I've, I've got a, a former teammate of mine uh, who says everybody needs a coach because everybody needs somebody to tell them when they're being stupid. And that's kind of the you know the coach plays more than just that. But in football, uh, every single practice is recorded every play from every practice is recorded. And then you watch every play from every practice and you break it down and it's monotonous, but you improve and you learn to take feedback. And, you know, I think, uh, president Worthen, as an example, you know, if, if he goes into every room acting like he's the smartest, he's not going to get feedback. He's not going to see his blind spots and it just slows growth. So, uh, great example and, and uh, great lesson.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the, one more thing, as you mentioned that, that I thought of uh, Nate is the, uh, the, the great volleyball coach from BYU, Carl McGowan, uh, used to run what he called the cauldron. Uh, the cauldron was where they literally graded every single touch that every single volleyball player made during that practice. And then they gave them uh, feedback on what that, uh, what their production was during practice. So it forced you to practice like you played. And it, involved having a sense of humility and getting that feedback from a coach and players that, that were not inclined to take that feedback, then never got any better. And guess what? They also didn't end up playing very much, even though, again, they might've walked through the door as the most talented person in the room. But, but I think that that good coaches recognize the value and that humility and the feedback and, and, and good players who want to get better. End up having that same value system. So,
0: and I, and I think we're seeing more and more CEOs have personal coaches because everybody can use an outsider view uh, on helping the, you know helping ourselves to improve. So,
1: yep, yep, absolutely. So those those starting with those two, and then then the the last one I think uh, is is kindness. Uh, uh, it, again, maybe it's an, an an old school, old fashioned virtue, but uh, I think kindness. Uh, the thing that I thought about most, I remember I was driving to work one day. This, this is sort of a non-sports analogy, but I remember there was a, uh, a, a music artist, and I think I, it, it, since it was on the radio, I could probably say who it is, uh, Sam Smith. Uh, people wouldn't maybe know who Sam Smith was, but he was like at, at the peak of his ability at this point. I mean, his stuff was on the radio and on a variety of different uh, radio stations uh downloads were you know crazy high uh and and someone who was interviewing Sam Smith and 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 he said uh you know people think of you as this really nice guy uh you've got this great successful career most people start to really kind of inhale when they start to have those great successful careers and they they often don't don't think about other people but you're always known as someone who is kind and he said you know the, the reason I feel that way is, is uh, I'm going to need those people to be re- kind in return to me when I start to start, to, start the downhill turn. Cause I know I'm going to hit the downhill turn at some point. And certainly his career isn't today what it was then, but I thought, man, what a powerful lesson in the need for kindness. Uh, when things are going well, uh, it's incumbent on us to be kind and to one another. Uh, but, but it, it, the crazy thing is it ends up paying dividends, that kindness uh, in the good times and in the bad times. <laughs> and and I, I love to watch people who will walk into a room and everyone knows they're the biggest personality in the room. And yet they're kind and walk and find uh, those who are maybe the least among them to to, to talk to. Uh, I remember I was in a uh, meeting meeting uh and and i think he'd be embarrassed if i named him but i there was a, a a member of the quorum of the 12 who was there visiting this meeting and he said you know the thing i really like to do at the end of these meetings is i like to go down and i like to help pick up chairs at the end of the meeting because those are the people that are there at the meeting staying after and 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 uh And and those are kind of the 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 bedrock of of those who are attending this meeting. And I remember thinking what a what a kind gesture that was. And and how I hope that that in all of my interactions that 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 I exhibit that kind of kindness. And and I, I I always find myself sitting back in awe and appreciating people who have who have embraced kindness.
0: So I've never heard that story about Sam Smith. Is this the same Sam Smith that uh, sang Writing on the Wall, uh, the soundtrack to Spectre? Yep. So yeah, I, I do love that song. And Sam has an incredible voice. So such a cool story. You know, it's like this idea of karma, right? You're you're going to reap what you sow. Like what you put out in the universe comes back to you. I was talking to my sister-in-law over Christmas. And uh, I was sharing this story about how uh, I had not been a good employee at a job I'd had and ended up getting fired. And at the time I was thinking like, this will never affect me. Like this will never come back to me. And then it did. Uh, let's see, it was it was like 15, 20 years later that it came back to me. And she was like, see, like, that stuff like this happens in the universe. Like when you put bad out in the universe, eventually it, it, it comes back to you or can't come back to you. Uh, but I like this idea of kindness. One, like, yeah, we can be kind so that it comes back to us, sure. Um, But two, just be kind for the sake of being kind, and you're happier for it, and everyone else is happier for it. Uh, Well, these are awesome lessons. I I really appreciate your time. I know you have lots of demands in your role uh, as at at BYU, um, as in leadership position, and still trying to get out research and service. So, uh, just want to thank you for your time, Shane. I love these lessons and look forward to trying to apply them and sharing them with others.
1: Well, thank you, Nate, and I and I and I'll say that uh, I, I've always I, I'm hoping that our 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 uh, Carrabba's lunches continue uh, because one of the things I would say is that uh, I also have seen so many of of what we just talked about in in you. Uh, I mean, I really think as a football player, uh, as a person, uh, some of that uh the, the the hard work, the humility, the, the the kindness, those those are all characteristics that I think Nate Mickle uh has embraced. So uh I'm grateful for the opportunity to visit with you and wish you the best luck with this endeavor especially. It's a great endeavor.
0: Well that's kind of you we'll turn this into a little bit of a love fest because you didn't even get into your accomplishments as a statistician and all the works you've done all the work you've done with Olympic teams and uh professional teams and professional coaches who everyone would know. So uh, again, I just really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Shane. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. Shane Reese is one of my role models. And after listening to him today, I'm sure you can see why. I love the lessons he shared. First, working smart is great, but so is working hard. And if we gravitate too much to the work smart mentality and ignore the importance of hard work and reps, we will not achieve our potential. Second, as Shane looks around at people he admires, and who are successful in all areas of life, they all seem to have a sincerely held sense of intellectual humility. They are able to both recognize their own strengths and the strengths of others, and as a result, they can learn from others and build them up. And finally, Shane appreciates people who embrace kindness. Just as Sam Smith strived to be kind when he was at his peak, so too should we strive to be kind wherever we are. In Shane's words, maybe some of these values seem old school, or underappreciated. But I couldn't agree more that hard work, humility, and kindness are keys to success. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with three quick requests. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, visit NateMickle.com and sign up for Nate's notes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. And finally, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Thank you for all of your support.